Hello. Welcome to the Valley View Podcast, episode 121. My name's Tyler, and I'm here with Matt. And Matt, we have completed a marathon. Ooh, that feels good. This comes out next week. Sorry for my delayed response. I was thinking about how 11 times 11 is 121. That is correct. Did you know that when you multiply um, a two-digit number by 11, all you have to do is add the two digits and the sum goes in the middle. I actually didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. So if you multiply 22 by 11, what's the answer? Um, One, four, wait, what? So 22 22 times 11, you add, since you're multiplying 22 by 11, you add the two digits. So four. Two and two, four, and put it in the middle. So 141? Uh, 242. Oh, 242. Oh, okay. I get it. Yeah. This is really not relevant to the podcast. (laughs) I think our listeners will find it interesting, though. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah. So 33 times 11? Would be 363. Nice job, Tyler. I love math. Mental math. I actually do like math, and specifically mental math. Yeah. Are we sponsored? That's kind of interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready to move on. I'm fine with math. I just am ready to move on. Episode 121. Uh, the Valley View podcast is sponsored by Dudley Smith and Cower, attorneys at law. Ah, I like that name, Dudley Smith and Cower. Dudley. <laughs> uh, specializing in non-traditional cases and settlements. If you've had something unusual happen to you and feel like you might be entitled to compensation or relief, contact Dudley Smith and Cower. <laughs> okay. Free initial consultations. And pro bono work for those who would enjoy it or request it. That is really cool. Um, Licensed to practice in 18 out of the 50 United States, including Minnesota. That's almost 40%. Yeah. 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 Almost 40%. (laughs) Nice, Tyler. Uh, So, yes, they're licensed in Minnesota, also Georgia. Um, Not licensed in Wisconsin, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and 14 other states. Iowa. Uh, it doesn't say. Wait, that doesn't make sense. That it's not like you, you just counted like 18 states that is not licensed, but it only is licensed in 18 states. So the way what they say is they are licensed in 18 out of 50. Yeah. Including Minnesota and Georgia. Yeah. Okay. They're not licensed in uh, Wisconsin, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and 14 other states. That's 18. So they're only accounting for 36 states. Oh, yeah. That's wrong. I have to get on the, the copyist here. <laughs> Nice, nice math. <laughs> this has been a great episode. We know that we know you write these, so like I, I, I know you did that on purpose, but you got me because I was bothered by it. Still, wow, you're showing your math prowess again. Oh yeah, two for two. Internships available. Um, apply online or in person. Dudley Smith and Cower, your friends at court. Uh, cool. So where are we going today? Uh, we're talking about Hosea, and we both don't mm. feel super qualified to talk about Hosea right now but we'll have a ringer come in momentarily hopefully yeah. she could let us down and not come in and that would be a little bit sad but we'll we'll muddle through for a while and then we have a, a couple of listener questions to talk about at the end excellent okay i wonder if we can set the table at least for Hosea um, before our expert comes in um minor prophet mm-hmm. right uh 14 chapters i think it's pretty long so, for a minor prophet yeah yeah, that's yeah, 14 chapters. Um do you know like the basic storyline? Um Hosea is Hosea the one where he has to marry a prostitute? Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. Um, and then she cheats on him. Yeah. Go, go take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so Hosea is called to uh, a very unusual uh, ministry, mm -hmm. isn't he? Yeah. I, one of the things I was going to mention about Hosea is how one of the things we see in the Bible is how God calls someone to have an experience that um, will better acquaint them with what it's actually like to be God. Mm -hmm. So Jose is an example, like, you know, the picture of how God relates to Israel is like husband and wife, like God is the, the husband and Israel is the wife and Israel forsakes God and, you mm -hmm. know, kind of, the people have committed great boredom by forsaking the Lord. So there's that picture. And he calls Hosea basically to go and play that out like in real time. Right. Like, and know what it feels like to be deserted by your wife for her to go to someone else. So is that the whole book? <clears throat> like, cause I feel like if I remember right, that's like the first three chapters talk a lot about that, but mm -hmm. what's, but it's 14 chapters. Yeah. What happens in the rest of the book? So um, the rest of the book is what, we'd probably consider like more traditional prophecy where judgments are brought against Israel for forsaking the Lord. Mm -hmm. And then there's like hope is promised um, at the end. Uh, that does sound like a pretty classic <laughs> minor prophet. Yeah. So it's almost like there's a picture, a little picture at the beginning where Hosea has this experience. And then you get the more traditional, like here's the judgments against you, Israel for forsaking the Lord, but here's what you can expect if you return to the Lord and how God will work on your behalf. And that, oh, he still loves you, yeah. <laughs> by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even though you've forsaken him, like chapter 11 especially talks about the great love that God still has for them, mm -hmm. even though they are unfaithful. Yeah. And Jose is just one example. Like Abraham gets called to the same type of thing um, when he, uh, when God tells him sacrifice, you know, offer up your son to enter into an experience of what it would be like. Uh, to be God and have to um, offer up, you know, your, the son whom you love, your beloved son. Right. And Abraham, of course, doesn't actually have to go through that. But um, God calls people to into those experiences to know uh, what it feels like to be God and have to give something up or have someone forsake you or those kind of things. And then God intensifies it typically. Come in, expert. Okay. Whew. Thank goodness. We were at the end of our rope, so... Hello. Close the door so there's better acoustics. Emily, tell us about Hosea. Okay. This is not a synopsis of Hosea. This is You wrote notes, didn't why, you? This is just why I love Hosea. That's why I was asking, yeah. So I'm going to read Hosea 2, but it's it's edited because there are some words and phrases that I don't feel comfortable reading aloud on a podcast listened to by children. But like it's in your Bible, so you can just go read your Bible, Hosea 2. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my olive oil and my drink. And then God says, therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. She will chase after her lovers, but not catch them. She will look for them, but not find them. Then 
she will say, I will go back to my husband as at first, for I was better off than now. She has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine and the oil, who lavished on her the silver and gold. Therefore, now I am going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the Baals from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. So in in that in the Bible, it's talking about Israel is the she and God is the husband. And uh for me personally, when I read this in high school, I was going through a very similar things as Israel, where I was chasing after all of these idols in my life uh, that were bringing me happiness, like sports and good grades and physical health and friendships and population, uh, popularity, population, population, popularity and attention and all of these things instead of chasing after God who gave them to me. And so he kind of ripped a lot of those things away from me and I was very angry about it. Um, and then when I had nothing left to turn to, I eventually just turned back to God because he was the only thing that was left. Um, and so sometimes God takes things away from us and we get really angry about it, but it is because that is the only way sometimes that he can get our very stubborn, rebellious, idol chasing selves to come back to him and it is so that we can have a relationship with him cool thanks well the said. end bye love you Thank have you. a nice appointment <laughs> that was emily my wife that's really good we might have to start doing this more often for the next few books because i don't feel super qualified on most of the minor prophets i'm ready for nahum okay you're teed up for nahum joel is next yeah yeah, I know that Joel. Well, maybe I won't spoil the one thing that I can say about Joel. I'll wait till next week. <laughs> That's really good. Um, what else do we need to say about Hosea to kind of put a wrap on it? I feel like that was a really good application. I feel of like Hosea she, yeah, I feel like she put a wrap on it. Yeah, and how that really, really spoke to her. And one, I guess, one obvious thing we could say is that I think um, a lot of people have the view of the minor prophets that oh, I don't know what's there like not that interested confusing hard you know hard never because well, a lot of them are weird like we're gonna find as we go through this like a lot of them are like woe to these nations that border israel like <laughs> yeah what woe to the moabites woe to the assyrians like you read it and you're like okay why does that like why do i care i don't care i'm gonna read something else that's true that's a really good point there are a few of the minor prophets that are a little bit easier to digest than the others. Like Jonah. Hosea and jo yeah, Jonah, I think comes to mind as well. Like they have these vivid stories yeah. that we can, our minds can latch onto and yeah. we can more easily see the application than some of the others, but we'll get, we'll get into the other. Yeah. Or someone like Zechariah is like, here are a bunch of strange prophecies. A lot of which may not have been fulfilled yet. And some of them may have been have fun. <laughs> so we'll, we get to talk about yeah. this for the next couple of months. Yeah. We are, we are here for the listener to navigate the minor prophets. Yeah. 
Um, I'm gonna have to start watching the Marvel Project videos before we talk about them, so I can refresh myself on the books. Yeah, I'm that's, gonna start doing that. Why don't you tell tell the listeners more about the Bible Project videos because they may want to check those out too. Yeah, so this dude named Tim Mackey, who used to live in Wisconsin, now he lives in Portland. Um, I think he's from Portland originally, though. Uh, him and this other dude named John Collins, they have this, they have like a podcast and a YouTube channel and a website and everything where they explain things about really like deep things about the Bible in ways that you can understand. Um, and they got their start. I think they got their start making five to 10 minute videos on books of the Bible, like going through the Bible. So like they have like an eight or nine minute video on Genesis, that kind of thing. Um, and their, their videos are super helpful because it's, it's essentially like a digital piece of parchment paper and they draw the story of the book on the parchment paper while telling you the story of what happens in the book. Um, and their purpose statement about the Bible is they want you to see that the Bible is uh, one great story that leads to Jesus. So they're, they're really, really good. Um, I was talking to somebody about uh, Tim Mackey specifically, who was from Wisconsin and was near the church that he worked at. And she was like, yeah, he just has a gift. Like he just, he thinks so deeply about the Bible and has spent so much time studying and thinking about it that like he just catches things that we don't always catch. Mm-hmm. So I'm a, I'm a huge Bible project fan. Awesome. Some people aren't, but I like it. Okay. Yeah. I think it's really helpful too. Um, all right. Here, uh, here are a couple of listener questions that had come in. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we get to them, how, like, what if someone has a question for us or a topic they'd like us to address? How should they let us know? Well, there's lots of ways. The most fun is to DM me on Instagram at poll votes, Tyler. That's P O L L votes, Tyler. Give me a follow, join the movement. Um, I'm up to, I think like 344 followers and becoming a famous pastor. Um, I follow one person for every hundred follows. So if you follow me, it could be you who's to say. So you've got 56 follows to go Mm -hmm. and And then then I'll follow one more person. Do you have that person picked out yet? No, I'll probably do a contest or something. Maybe I'll have to follow the Eden Prairie breakfast club, uh, Instagram account. Oh, that's right. You can't right now. Can you? No, I can't. I can't. Emily can, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, you DM me there. Uh, otherwise, if you have my number, my email, or Matt's number, his email, basically, however you get it. If you talk to our wives and tell them to tell us, they'll probably tell us. Mm-hmm. Just just get it to us somehow, Okay, and we'll answer it on this podcast. I think we've answered every question we've been asked, right? Mm-hmm. I can't think of one that we didn't off the yeah, top of my head. Yeah, I don't think so. Even if it's uh, controversial, sensitive, whatever, I mean... We'll handle it discreetly, but yeah. we'll give it we'll give it attention. Hit us with them. Do your worst. So uh, question number one comes from Mike in Marshalltown. And Mike uh, has been a friend of mine for a long time. And um, thank you, Mike, for being a listener. And Did and he know sending... you when you were a kid? Um, yeah. Yeah, nice. I think I probably met Mike when I was uh, probably 12 or 13. Nice. Like that. Well, I just, yeah, just this email. He sent us an email and it was, he was like talking about it. It's a good question. Yeah. He's just talking about how he knows Matt. And I'm like, I get the impression that he's known Matt for a long time. You know, he has. And um, Mike, even though he probably doesn't know this, Mike has really shaped this podcast in a lot of ways because um, I feel like I learned how to talk with people and ask questions like, by observing him really was yeah. he like a small group leader or something at your church um or he probably had, he has been probably has been a small group leader but no he he actually was just uh just a guy you know sorry Mike, just a, but, no, just a cool guy you know but think about a guy think, just think about a guy at your church that isn't afraid to talk to teenagers and just ask them questions about how their life is going and actually listen to the answer and and then like ask just a a good common sense follow-up 
question. Just like, you know, you show that you've been listening and are actually interested because anyone can ask like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. But then when when they actually follow up with a question about what you said, it tells you like, oh, you've actually been listening to what yeah. I was saying. You actually cared, interested. En- you cared enough to listen. Yeah. yeah. And so I think Mike really has been formative for me. So thank you for that, Mike. Um, do you feel like you had anyone like that in your church growing up? Oh, yeah, absolutely. My yeah. small group leader was, was like that. There was a Mike in your church? Joe B. and Cardi. Really? He's okay. uh, he's one of the counselors at Northwestern, actually. So t- t- tell us about him. He was my small group leader. He, <laughs> Our small group would always go 45 minutes late because he would he could he could go like mm. you give him a target a topic and he can go on whatever topic but he was always super involved at our church i mean he's known my parents he's known my mom since college um at northwestern but he was just he's probably one of the uh, adult men that's not my dad that like i res- have respected the most like since i was a kid like i feel like i could text him or talk to him about anything i still do text him sometimes i think i texted him like a week and a half ago because i needed i needed help with something um he's just an awesome super godly dude i graduated a year ahead of his son and i knew his daughters a little bit too um his son's one of my really good friends so he just awesome dude um i i just always knew that he cared and i didn't really know why he needed to care about me right like i wasn't his kid but he really truly did care about me all the way through so still does your mom got a mention on the podcast. It's kind of funny. You didn't even notice that I mentioned her. That's funny. Sorry, mom. <laughs> Mike from Marshalltown wants to know, and thanks for writing in, Mike. Um, he says, since I was a teen, I've been a science fiction fan. And it seems that all the time I've heard news accounts about UFO sightings by military aircraft. In fact, just this month, the Pentagon announced the establishment of a new office to track and resolve such sightings. Um, what do you all think is going on here? Is it possible that the God of the universe created life on other planets? Is it an elaborate human-based hoax? Is it wishful thinking or is it demonic deception? That is the question. What's going on here with um, these accounts of the sightings, supposed sightings of UFOs by military aircraft? Pentagon just sent up sent something up to look into these things. Um, what do you think, Tyler? Let's just take his first question. Do you do you think it's possible that God created life on other planets? I I think it's. I'll say, I'll answer in like a triple negative. Like I think it's hard to say that it's impossible. Yeah. Like I feel I, like it's it's not necessarily yeah. fair to say like yeah God can do anything, but he could not have made life on other planets. Right. 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 I don't think we can say that, that we can't rule that out. Right. And I mean, to say, to go a step further, like to say that there is other life in the universe or could be other life in the universe, that's not really making that big of a statement. Like the the universe is like really expansive, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and and God is like really, really creative. So yeah, that honestly wouldn't even really surprise me that much. Mm -hmm. The, the thing that might be more of the meat of our discussion is not whether or not there's life, other places in the universe mm-hmm. but if there's sentient life other places in the universe right, right i think right. there's a difference yeah like a, a couple of single-celled organisms with no consciousness is a much different discussion than like another society of people who uh-huh. can think and reason and speak and communicate yeah. and maybe are more advanced than us that yeah. kind of thing yeah i think the probably the intent of the question is like sentient life yeah i would think mm-hmm. do you think um there's anything in the bible that <laughs> 
would suggest that or maybe lead us to believe that it's unlikely that God created sentient life on other planets. I guess when you when you read the Bible and you get familiar with the Bible, do you feel like it leads you one way or the other in terms of likelihood? Well, I don't know. It is kind of hard for me to answer like likelihood questions, right? But you do come away with the Bible from the Bible with the understanding that humanity is the pinnacle of creation and that doesn't specify on earth. Mm-hmm. Right? Like in yeah. in Genesis one, like everything is created, not just like the things on earth, but also the heavenly bodies, the stars, the moon, the sun, like mm-hmm. everything out there is created in Genesis one. Mm-hmm. Um, even to the point that I mean, there are I've read people and heard from people that think that indirectly Genesis one is also telling you about angels and everyone being created. Like when it's talking about the sun, moon, and stars, like the way Hebrews would have thought, maybe that corresponds to the heavenly bodies, like the yeah, the heavenly creations as well. Mm-hmm. Um so you come away from the Bible with this idea that we are unique and special and the image of God, mm-hmm. which if the image of God has to do with the like special kind of consciousness we have, that's different from the rest of creation, then sentient alien life would be a little confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, j- I think that it's totally possible that God created other sentient life, but it, it, if, and when we, we find that it will reshape how we're interpreting what the image of god means and and if they're sentient life that can like think and sin mm-hmm. and like do things wrong yeah then then we then we're th- thinking a lot more about like okay what does christ's sacrifice mean mm-hmm. like is, is christ's sacrifice for humanity or is christ's sacrifice for all sentient beings or is it for everything that was created mm-hmm. like it, it just creates new categories and new questions that we don't really have to think much about right now because we're the only sentient life we know of true yeah, that's a, those are, those are good thoughts. I, I was thinking of, you know, what in the Bible might lead us to a, in a particular direction. And, you know, it's pretty clear that um, the agent in creation was Jesus Christ, or it was God, mm-hmm. the son. Like I'm thinking about John chapter one, verse three, all things were made through him, mm-hmm. the, the word without him was not anything made that was made. Colossians one as well says a similar thing. Like he is the, yeah, the, the preeminent one, the firstborn overall creation. Exactly. So that's, all things were created by him and for him. We've Sorry. got that stake. Yeah. We've got that stake in the ground that everything was created through Christ. So if everything was created through Christ, then we on planet earth were, and then I, I believe this also would mean that anything else out there anywhere also was created through right. Christ. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't think there would be a, a Jesus for aliens. Yeah. Yeah. This seems to put all like everything that God has created was created by Jesus Christ. Right. And then later in um, chapter one of John, it talks about Jesus coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't like rule out. God the Son having created life other places, but it certainly gives the impression that the world, you know, everything that was created, this world is what he came to and was his own. He created it and he came to it and was not received by the world. That that seems pretty exclusive to me. It's not a it doesn't close the door on other life, but it I think it gives the impression that this is we are what was created. We are the, you know, the life, the sentient life that was created. And that also Jesus Christ came to in, in flesh and was rejected by us. 
Um, I just feel like that makes me think that we are the only sentient life out there. Sure. So yeah, again, I don't, not, I don't... not open and closed case. Like, right. but I feel like that is in the whole tenor of scripture. I feel like leans against other sentient life being out there. Sure. Yeah. And I'm not, I don't really have like much to argue with because I'm not like campaigning for there are definitely aliens. Yeah. I just, it's, for me, it's just kind of like interesting, sort of fun to speculate. Like, okay, what what would that do to our theology if we yeah. found sentient aliens? Right. You know? Yeah. Or I if agree. they found us, right? Like, I don't, I don't really have the answers, but it's interesting to think about the questions. I agree. Yeah, completely. Like, is there a redemptive story for other sentient aliens if they exist? Like, did Jesus go to them? Mm-hmm. But uh, like all of those things, probably, probably not. <laughs> so but, Mike says he's uh, a big fan of science fiction. How do you feel about science fiction? I'm not really a big fan, okay. to be honest. It just doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't really captivate me. Never really has. So I know you're a huge Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. So is that in the science fiction genre or does that lie outside of sci-fi? I don't know. I, <laughs> I Neither do I. Well, the, the thing is, like, I don't really categorize, like, I don't really, I'm not really like, oh, this genre, like, I'm married to this genre. I don't feel like that about really any genre. I just like specific franchises. Okay. So I'm obsessed with the Star Wars franchise and the Marvel franchise. But like that doesn't mean that I need to see every superhero movie or okay. every yeah every space thing. It's not I don't know. It's not how I'm wired, I guess. Fair enough. Yeah. It's is it kind of like saying, you know, you enjoy the sports genre or some franchises within it, but that doesn't mean you like every sport. Right. Right. Although if there was one thing that I liked the genre of, it probably is sports. Because <laughs> I, I can sit down and watch most sports. Competition. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mike, thank you for that question. Um, our next question comes from Gustavo mm-hmm. in Chanhassen mm-hmm. and um, Gustavo wants to know, I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase uh, Gustavo's question because we don't have it right in front of us. Basically he wants to know like, why should we invite other people to pray for specific things, pray for specific things like along with us? You know, if, if God will hear like our prayer and it's enough for like one person to pray to him and ask for something. What's the benefit of asking multiple people to pray right. about the thing? Right. Right. Does that in like increase the likelihood somehow that God will say yes? Does it not increase the likelihood? It seems like it wouldn't like it's enough for just one person to ask. Um, so I think it's a good question. Like why, why invite other people to pray along with you? Yeah. I don't know. You want to take a crack at that? Well, you said that you have like a really helpful text that's just going to answer the question. So I don't really need to say too much. But um, what I what I mean, my first thought when I hear that question is I really like the question. Like, I just, yeah. it's another like fun thing to think about. Right. Like, yeah. What, why did God set it up like that? Like, why, why is that how it's supposed to be? Um, and my, I mean, my immediate yeah. thought, which is what I go to with a lot of questions about, like, I was talking to a kid about this last night, actually, about like, why do we do christian things like what's the point Mm -hmm. and i i think at some level a lot of it just comes back to like doing things because of what we believe is good for us or like confirming belief with action Mm -hmm. is is good Mm -hmm. like that and i think god has ordered the world in a way that we if we're following jesus have opportunities every day and every hour to confirm our belief with action because that's good for us and growing in our belief (laughs) yeah well said i was sitting here thinking um about how much more prayer would probably happen if we didn't share prayer requests. <laughs> because <laughs> anyone who's been to a, a prayer meeting knows how that typically goes, where you, if you've got an hour for prayer, you share prayer requests for what, 
40 minutes? Uh, like 55 45, minutes. 55, 55 minutes, and then someone looks at the clock and says, oh, well, maybe we should pray. I'll pray quick and close. Yeah, right. So I I admit that I find that a little bit just hard sometimes that we spend so much time sharing like about the requests and coming up with generating a list. And then there's so little time left to actually pray. I'd rather spend, you know, just say, Oh, let's, let's pray. And then you are people find out as you, as you, but anyway, as Tyler said, I think, um, I think Paul gives us some help here in answering the question. This is second Corinthians chapter one. And this is verse um, 11. And Paul is talking about how they've been having a really hard time doing ministry in Asia and um, that it was so hard, in fact, that they despaired of life itself. But in verse 10, he writes, God delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us on him. We have set our hope so that he will deliver us again, set our hope that he will deliver us again. And then here's verse 11. You also must help us by prayer. So he's inviting other people. He's mm-hmm. inviting the church to pray along with him. You also must help us by prayer so that, isn't that exciting? Like he's going to give a reason, Yeah. right? You must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So what he seems to be saying is that one of the benefits or one of the results of inviting people to pray along with you for specific things is that it increases thanksgiving to God mm-hmm. when that thing happens. Which makes sense if the whole point of the human experience is to glorify God. Yeah. Like being able to say, yeah, we're praying for this thing. And God answered the prayer. Yeah. Whether with a yes or a no, like that is that is an opportunity for humanity to praise God. Yeah which is the point. So I think we'll let Paul have the last word there. The great question, Gustavo. um, I think I would just go there. The more people are praying, the more thanks abounds to God, which is the point of our existence, as Tyler just shared. Thank you, Tyler. Nice. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) See you guys next week. We'll talk about Joel. Have a good one.